Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. Today, we are at Thatcher Cider Company, Myrtle Farm in the heart of Somerset, talking to Chris Munz-Torres, farm manager, cider maker Richard Johnson, and Matt Grieve, horticultural agronomist with Agri. Today, we're going to ask key questions about sustainable crop production. What does that mean? How do we integrate IPM? And how do we connect growing a quality crop for a quality end product? So let's find out more about how they do that here at Thatcher's Cider Company. So Chris, if I can start with you, um, tell us a little bit about um, the acreage that you're growing of fruit uh, for the cider production. Yeah, hi. Um, so um, here we are, literally just behind us, we've got the Mendip Hills. We're in the kind of foothills of the Mendips here in Somerset. And this is where we have got our 500 acres uh, of, of apple orchards. Uh, and here we are, we are growing um, apples for cider. Yeah, solely for cider, for in Thatcher's cider. And Richard, as, as the cider maker here at Thatcher's, what are you looking for from that fruit in order to produce great quality uh, cider? Yes, good question, because cider apples are very different to eating apples and we're looking for quite different characteristics. So the key differentiator would be the tannin content and the tannin is what, that, what gives you that mouth drying sensation from tea or red wine. The, the tannins are actually polyphenols and they're very similar in all of those three categories of drinks. So we're growing varieties that wouldn't be nice to eat and the varieties that we grow people would never have heard of. They're unique to the cider industry and the requirements of growing those apples are quite different to the uh, eating apple industry. And, and interestingly, is, is it just tannins which are important in terms of the flavour in the cider? What, what else is important that you're looking for from that fruit? Uh, tannins are the, the differentiator. They're not the only thing we're looking for. So a cider maker's job is to select varieties that have the right balance of sugar for sweetness and alcohol production when we ferment it and also acidity to give that lovely crisp bite to the cider and then the tannin as well. So we're trying to balance each of those key features and we do that by selecting the right varieties to grow and blending the varieties once we've grown them and fermented them. Uh, really interesting. Let, let's take a bit of a walk up through this orchard and whilst we're walking up there, um, maybe Chris can come back to you. So tell us a little bit about this particular orchard that we're in right now. Yeah, so here we have one of our cider varieties. This is a variety called Davenet. It's a traditional Somerset variety, uh, and it's uh, a, a very popular cider, uh, cider apple. Um, it's a relatively young orchard. It was only planted 2017. Uh, and as you can probably uh, imagine, because uh, it's a podcast, is that we haven't got any blossom here. This is a later uh, variety, so um, we're just still waiting for these trees to, to, to open up. Sure. And, and Matt, if I can come to you, as the agronomist here for Thatcher's, you know, what actually is your key role in terms of supporting the farm manager and the, the, the cider production? What is your key function here? Thanks, Tony. Yeah, so in most operations, the agronomist is answerable to just the farm manager and they'll support them in growing their crop. But as Rich has already explained, the cider production side of this business is really key. So whilst I'm here to support Chris as best as I can with growing a crop that's going to be high yielding and of high quality, um, I also have to work with the, the cider maker and the, and the business overall to make sure that the quality is throughout and uh, the end product is going to be what they need to provide to their consumers. And the all-important question, Matt, is as the agronomist, do you get involved in the, the tasting? As often as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Richard, if I, can, if I can just come to you, in actual fact, you're missing a, a tasting session today, aren't you? 
Yeah, you're very, very privileged that I've uh, forget, forgone the um, 12.30 tasting on Friday to talk to you today. Because every Friday at 12.30 we taste all the production for the week. Um, everything we've been making and everything that's coming out of f fermentation that will produce next week's cans and bottles and kegs. Wow, that's an incredible attention to detail in terms of quality, isn't it? So every week you have that tasting session to, to review the production for that week before it goes out, I guess. Yeah, everything, every single batch we produce is tasted by a taste panel, including Martin Thatcher, um, and we taste every, every batch before it leaves the farm. Wow, that, that's a great message, isn't it, to all of, all of us that enjoy uh, Thatcher's cider. Chris, if I can come back to you then. So from the perspective of looking after and producing these crops, share with us the, sort of the age of some of the crops that you're producing. Um, apple trees, they've got a, a life of up to about 80 years. Um, productive, productive we, we quite often can see some orchards getting 40, 50 years old. Um, we, we've got initial lifespan in mind are about 25 years though. And then uh, we kind of review how the orchard's doing, how the market's doing after about that time. And I can see that Matt can't stop himself but from looking under his magnifying glass uh, at, I guess, the buds here on, on this particular tree. So tell us a little bit about the, the challenges and what you have to look out for as the agronomist uh, during the season. Well, Tony, as you just mentioned, their perennial crops are in the ground all year round, whereas other crops that we grow in the UK, they have a very short period of growth and then a harvest. Because these crops are in the ground all year round, we don't just look at them when they're growing, we also look at them when they're not growing. And the period between going into dormancy and coming out of dormancy is typically when we might see the pests also coming out of dormancy. So at this stage now, these dabinet trees, the buds are just starting to wake up. The trees will soon be in green tissue and there'll be flowers. So really we need to get ahead of the pests, see what the population's like and see if we need to intervene. Okay, and what pests are you looking out for? At the moment, the key pest we'll be keeping an eye out for is apple blossom weevil. And that's a weevil that can uh, basically lay its egg inside the forming fruit bud. And then the grub will eat away at the flower parts, meaning we won't have an apple. So that's pest number one for us here at this time of year. Right. And, and can, you, can you show us, um, I know this is a podcast, but show me exactly what you're looking at and what you're looking for. So you can see here, that's a fruit bud. It's nice and big and fat. It's sitting away from the main twig. And that fruit bud is exactly where the apple blossom weevil is going to be working around. So we're looking to see, is there any damage? Have they punctured the bud already? Are they sit, sitting in these little nooks and crannies waiting for the tissue to emerge? Sure, and what do you do if they are emerging? Well, the first thing we need to understand is the population. Um, we have a lot of fruit bud on an apple tree and we have a lot of apple trees in this orchard. So if we've got a very low population, we might not intervene at all. A lot, of old, uh, <coughs> a lot of old farmers that have been growing for many years might say a little bit of apple blossom weevil on a heavy cropping year is a good thing for thinning out the fruits. But if we have high levels, then we may need to intervene with an insecticide or uh, we, we may not spray an insecticide, but we might have to manage the crop throughout the year to see what the crop load is going to be like. And so from what I'm hearing, as the farm manager, Chris, you, you, you must rely on the agronomist a great deal to be able to do this assessment and assess the thresholds for whatever intervention is needed. Yeah, definitely. And it's maintaining that relationship with the agronomist as well. Um, I think you need to, have, need to have that relationship so you can, you're not afraid to ask the silly questions sometimes. Um, you also, you get a feel for what's going on. We're obviously in a small corner of Somerset, but getting feedback from what's happening around uh, the, the neighbouring counties as well. Um, sometimes you can, it just opens your eyes up to what might be, what, what, 
what might be happening or might happen to you soon. So. Yeah, sure. And, and just to sort of go off on a tangent slightly, I know that before we started recording, then in actual fact, you were saying you've got your home ground, but also you rely on a lot of other contract uh, producers to help you grow uh, the acreage that you need. Yeah, exactly right. So we, we get our apples either from the farm here or from one of a number of what we call contract growers uh, in the West Country. And um, we've got, uh, as I was saying, with 25 years lifespan of an orchard, that's how long the contract is with these growers as well. So, And it's very much a relationship-based um, business. Yeah, sure. Uh, Matt, I'm just going to come straight back to you because I know that Chris handed you a bug. So tell me, <laughs> what, what are you guys looking at here? Yeah, good test. I think we're looking at leopard moth here. Um, I've got in my hand for the, for the listeners a very small but fat and happy caterpillar with lots of black spots across his yellow body, with a black head. Um, this is more than likely going to be a pest called leopard moth, which is not very common to find in orchards, but they have incredibly strong biting parts and they can feed into the trunk of the tree, bore out a hole uh, and complete their life cycle. And if they do that, then it's not a matter of losing a branch, you could lose the entire tree. Um, so quite an invasive pest, but not particularly commercially important to us because we don't see high numbers of it. Visit Agri at the National Fruit Show on the 1st and 2nd of November and the Vineyard and Winery Show on the 22nd of November 2023. Sustainable farming, I know, is really important to you here at Thatcher's. What does that, what does that mean for you here? What, what does sustainable production mean? Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, good, um, good cider starts in the orchard, we always say that. When we're thinking about uh, long-term sustainability, we, we're actually, we, we, we start thinking about that before we even plant a tree. So we, um, uh, we, we have got some orchards to, to plant that we, um, we acquired the land about a year ago. But it's actually been, um, it's been arable land for, we think, at least 50 years. And uh, so organic matter levels uh, in particular are looking quite low. And uh, so we've actually started a regeneration project on that ground before we, before we plant the trees. So we've got a three-year regeneration project. We've got herbal lay in there. Uh, and only going to graze it and, and monitor what happens with the soil. So our sustainability starts well before we even put a tree in the ground. Um, um, but looking forward into established orchards, it's, it's very important for us to uh, maintain and encourage a lot of beneficial insects and pollinators. Um, I al almost liken um, what's going on in an apple tree a bit like a mini robot wars. So you've got good bugs and bad bugs. And as long as we've got more good bugs than bad bugs, they generally sort themselves out. Sure. So what are the good bugs then? Uh, Matt, just to put you on the spot here, what, what are you looking for that's going to help the production in this orchard? Well, as Chris has just highlighted, if we don't have sustainability at mind, we won't have the presence of those good guys working away. Um, we need to provide refuge for them to flourish. We need that biodiversity in the orchard. And that's going to give us full-time protection 24-7. You know, the spray is only operating for a short period in the growing season. These guys are working 24-7. So that could be anything from uh, ladybird larvae, which are real uh, voracious predators of aphids. It could be hoverflies. They both pollinate the crop as well as their larvae eating soft-bodied insects like aphids and spider mites. Um, and we also have predatory mites that dwell within the orchards and they're native to apple orchards in the UK. One particular one, Tiflodromus piri, if we have high populations of those in established orchards, then we shouldn't need to spray for spider mite control. So we monitor those beneficial populations just as much as we monitor the pest populations and as Chris has said as long as it swings in our favour happy days. So what can you do to encourage 
the swing in your favour to, to have those better bugs? What, what do you do? Um, so um, it's very important in the orchards to try and avoid broad spectrum insecticides uh, to maintain those be beneficial predators. We've actually got uh, on the edge of this orchard here, we've got one of our wildflower plots. So this is to really encourage those populations in and near the orchards. And another thing we've been trying, we've tried um, in the last few months is actually uh, establishing a mixed, uh, mixed species swore down between the trees as well. Um, so yes, they're beneficial insects and pollinators. Sure, and from a production point of view, Richard, is, is hearing this approach of sustainable production important to you? Very much so, yeah. I mean, quality is central to everything we do and of great importance to our consumers and customers. So, as Chris said, it all starts in the orchard, but that ethos continues all the way through the cider production process, through our packaging, our packaging materials. Uh, we have a huge number of sort of sustainably-led projects and initiatives in the factory, from solar panels, biomass boilers, water recycling, reuse, things like that. Quality and sustainability are through everything that Thatchers do, not just in the orchard. Sure. Let, let's just walk down to that bit of ground that's been prepared down there. And, and thinking about, you know, we're in a perennial crop, so how far ahead are you looking in terms of planning? Uh, we, we've obviously got a very long-term, have to take a very long-term view on what apples we're producing in relation to what cider we're producing, what the market needs. Uh, and that is quite tricky when you've got a crop in the ground for 25 years plus. Um, so, yeah, it, we have to work as, as growers. As a grower, I have to work very closely with with the cider makers uh, and understanding what um, what they want and what's changing. Um, uh, and so, Richard, what do you want? What What is changing? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a very good point and one we constantly strive to understand is where are consumer markets going? You know, it's a very difficult balance to marry up a fast-moving consumer market where tastes change quite frequently to a very slow-moving supply chain where we're you know, planting a tree, growing an orchard takes years and years. So we're constantly trying to guess or predict what consumers will want because Thatcher's differentiates its products by the type of apple that goes into them. This is not making Alco Pops with alcohol and flavours. This is a very quality-led, genuine um, apple-based cider. And so we have to plant the varieties to make the products that people want to buy. And that is the challenge we face is... is is what do we plant next? What are people going to want in the future? So how do you stay ahead? How do you develop new ideas in order to constantly improve what you do? Yeah, you're totally right. We are quite small. Um, so a lot of the research uh, and development that is done is done in-house here um, and done by ourselves. Um, that's that's um, obviously a challenge, you know, doing doing research on, it, on any scale is takes a big commitment and you have to take a very long-term view, especially with perennial cropping. But equally, it can be very targeted to exactly what we want. Um, to, to, um, we've been very interested in, in variety trials in particular for a long time. We've got nearly 10% of our orchard area is actually dedicated to different variety trials. And that's anything from a, a one orchard which has got 450 different varieties in. Um, a bit like our, we call it the collection or exhibition orchard. Uh, and we're, we're pretty confident when we say it's um, the largest uh, collect, uh, collection of apples for cider kind of anywhere in the world. But, uh, but coupled with that, we've got over 100 varieties in what we call 100 tree trials now as well. So where we're really closely monitoring and looking at some varieties that are interested for the future. How important is that, Matt, in terms of helping you make decisions as you take each step through each season? I tell you, it's a great help to have that 
facility here at Thatcher's when it comes to understanding what the key pests and diseases are for the trees that they will be planting in the future. Often growers will ask you, I'm thinking about growing this variety, what do you think, how does it crop, what are the issues, what should, I re what should my rootstock be? And a lot of the time, as you've just highlighted, because we're a niche industry, you know, we're not growing Brayburn for Tesco's here, uh, we have to come up with those answers ourselves. We don't have research facilities across the UK specialised into cider production. Many of them are focused around dessert apples. So whilst we can lean on those for certain um, crossover, a lot of it has to come on farm from the growers themselves. And, and thatches are certainly leading the way here, which helps massively from an agronomy perspective. And Richard, does this on-farm research help you with production? Yeah, very much so. I mean, all this research in the orchard has to lead to something. And as I said, we differentiate our products based on the variety of apples that goes into them. So when Chris talked about his 100 tree trials, that means 100 trees of each variety in the trial. So 100 trees gives me enough apples to make a small batch of cider in my pilot plant, because I have a miniature cider factory within a, a factory, if that makes sense. And I can make batches of 20,000 bottles, which allows us to launch them into the market on a very small scale and gauge consumer response, gauge whether cider drinkers like to drink this type of cider. And that will then lead to the future planting of the large orchards, the large acreages. So it's a, a transfer of knowledge from single trees to 100 tree trials to full scale orchards and large scale brands in the market. And for each of you, what's one key message would you like listeners to take away with them uh, from this podcast? I think for me, it is really understanding your end user. So uh, you want to be, I want to produce something that ultimately people want to buy. Um, we've got that benefit at Thatcher's and having that joined up supply chain. So we get instant feedback for what the market wants. Um, and um, that's, um, that's what I would say people need to think about. Thanks, Chris. And Richard, what would be your top tip? It's, it's similar to Chris in the sense I have my own um, take on joining up the supply chain from grower. I talk to growers all the time about what they're doing, what their issues are, what they can contribute to a, a, a good quality product uh, and really giving the customers what they want. So listen to your customers, but talk to your suppliers. That's the job of a cider maker in the middle. We have to join it all together and make products that people want to buy. Thanks very much indeed. And, and Matt, as an agronomist, what would you like to share? I think for me, for anyone listening that's growing a perennial crop or in a, in a sort of tree crop situation, what we do now will have an impact later down the line. We can't just plough it in and go again. These trees go in the ground and they might be there for 40 years. So every action we have has a consequence. And those decisions that we make now are going to impact the crop not only in this year, but in the following cropping years. So try and think long game, remember you're in for the long haul, uh, and, and, and just remember that it's perennial cropping here, not annual cropping. Well, thank you, Chris, Richard, and Matt, for a fascinating walk and tour through your orchards here in the heart of Somerset. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.